welcome back again to Quiet Moments with Quilla, Redefining Life's Chaos. All right, so I ended last episode by saying that my mother uh, thought I needed to be in counseling because of my behavior. I was I was doing some rickety stuff. Um, I doubled back with my mom just to get more information about that. She also said that my primary doctor at that time thought it best that I go and talk to somebody just to, you know, I guess make sure I was handling my disability well or I, I don't know because how do you handle that well? When, when you're a kid, you don't know how to handle anything. So I had just experienced bullying and teasing and medical things that I could not quite articulate. I just knew I didn't like it. I couldn't, I didn't feel like I had a safe space or place or person that would really understand what I had been through. I know I remember telling my mom that Yes, she was going through things with me, but she could not go through things for me. So she did not really understand the depth of what I was trying to say. You know, kids these days, they are, they're killing each other. They're uh, committing suicide. It's, it's, it's getting pretty rough. And this was 30 some odd years ago, um, that I had experienced the same things. So even just that, thank God for his saving grace that I didn't commit suicide. I attempted, but we'll we'll talk about that in future episodes. Ha ha. But yeah, so I had attempted to commit suicide um, more than one time because life just got rough. I don't count it lightly that in my younger days, I didn't, I did not lash out. I, I, again, my behavior was different, but I didn't lash out. Um, between that and what was going on at home at that time, counseling was, was definitely, uh, beneficial and counseling is beneficial. I am an advocate, um, not, not an advocate. I highly recommend going to counseling, whether it be with your pastors or um, a different profession. Counseling, therapy, get healed by any means necessary. Counseling with your pastor and a therapist. However you got to do it, do it. So, uh, I don't want to defame anybody's character by, you know, this what I am going to share. I'm not shading on anybody. I'm not hating on anybody. I'm talking about what I'm talking about. This is what my chaos looked like. So my mom had me when she was 16, got pregnant when she was 15, had me when she was 16. My father was 18. And I don't have the best dynamics with my father, with my father. I can remember hearing their type relationships with him, the occasional, uh, spending time with him occasionally, but it it wasn't, 
it wasn't the highlight of my life, put it that way. One harsh occasion kind of stands out. I was probably around 16, had went on a family trip with him and his family, as well as my uh, half-sibling and step-siblings. Ironically, we're all girls. So he and I pretty much clashed the entire trip. He, He blamed me for everything. Yep, I was the oldest, but... I was still a kid myself. He was, you know, he would listen through the walls and hear conversations or think he would hear conversations and call the call from, we were in a hotel, call our room and bless me out for things that he thought we were in there talking about. It it was, eh, it was crazy. So by the end of that trip, he brought me home. And when I got out, he had a van. When I got out, He had taken my suitcase out the back and put it at the end of the driveway and pulled off. That was it. No bye, see ya, had a nice trip, Um, nothing. He put my bags on the side of the driveway and pulled off. That was pretty much the beginning of an end. Again, I was 16 around that time, and maybe we reconnected again around the time I was 20, and that might have only lasted five years. It it wasn't very, very tight, but we at least communicated somewhat, and I, I don't even remember any major falling outs. We just didn't get along. Um... By the time I moved here to Georgia, that was that was a wrap. We we don't talk. Um, I still do my part whenever I am in town. I leave pictures. I sneak. This is crazy. I sneak to his house and put pictures of my kids in the mailbox because technically I have his oldest and youngest grandchild. So I don't want to miss. You know I don't want him to miss out on at least seeing him if he doesn't want to communicate with him um so I sneak and put pictures in the mailbox I have his phone number and sometimes I text and say hi or I again will text pictures never getting a response but hmm, I still do it and it's it's crazy because social media you know you get to see things so you see your your half siblings or your step siblings uh, post things about him and how everybody's getting along and just, you know, part of your life that's not there. And mm, it is what it is. God is still working that out. You know, with the recent death of Kobe and the hashtag girl dad, And everybody posting their pictures, all the girls posting pictures with their dads or all the dads posting pictures with their girls. Um, I realized that it's still a little hurt in me from that. Yes, God has healed. He is healing because I'm not angry. (laughs) I promise at one point. Yeah, I, I was it was it was bad. I really was angry. I really, really, really was bitter. I really was 
You know, why them, not me? What did I ever do? I didn't ask to be born with a disability. Why you don't want me? I did, I did all that. I was deep in my feelings. I'm not angry. I am sad that he is choosing to miss out on all the gloriousness that is me and my babies. So God is yet fixing that and it is wisdom that it that he is unhealthy and that it would be overall unhealthy to try to keep adding him to my life. So I said, okay, God, you 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 got that. That's all you. I am taking my hands off of it. I need you to fill that void. I need you to polish that blemish. You know, I, I need help. It, there's nothing wrong with asking for help and, and receiving it. I need help in dealing with the sorrow and the void of not having an active father. But throughout my life, there have been stepfathers. A couple of them. Uh, my mother, when she first got, no, 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 her first marriage, I was, I was around nine and he actually was the first father figure that I chose to call daddy. I, I asked my mom and if it was okay, she told me to talk to him, talk to him, had a whole heart to heart and asked him if I could call him dad or daddy or something like that. Probably daddy. Cause I was, I was like nine. And he said, yeah, next thing I know, he was gone and they were divorced and I was crushed. He was a drug addict and things went a little rickety Um, and they got a divorce. So internally, I had learned, I thought I had learned or at that age, I had interpreted it as When you tell someone that you love them, they leave. So it took me many, many, many years before I was truly able to say that I love you to another person. I just wouldn't say the words. Somebody would say, I love you. And I would say, all right. Or someone would ask me, you know, do you love me? And they would just, (laughs) they would just get a look. I was afraid of those words because of what happened when I was nine. The enemy had planted a seed at the age of nine that love hurts. I um, Obviously, I didn't know back then that God is love. You know, the, the scripture in 1 John 4, verses 7 and 8, the message version. It says, um, my beloved friends, let us continue to love each other since love comes from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. The person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God because God is love. Nope, I didn't know the first thing about love. Really didn't know the first thing about God. So I was done. I was kind of, I was, I was done with it all. Um, her second marriage, I was a teenager, had just probably turned 12 or 13. He was also a drug addict. But check it out. 
He was a minister, a full preaching pulpit minister. So we were going to church regularly and I was hearing about God. I I was even, um, we were in the choir, my mother and I. So, okay, no problem. But the man was doing drugs. So now I'm all kind of confused because these folks, your, your congregation don't know what you do when you're at home. So they're, they're all in hook, line, sinker. Yes. So now you got two personalities. I don't know which one is really you. I don't know if what you're saying about this God is really real. I didn't, I didn't know. I was confused. I was very, very, very confused. Um, he would be, he would skip work. I would skip school. Hey, if you don't tell, I won't tell. It was, it was, it was crazy that you would have those, that I would have those type of dynamics with a father figure. But, you know, hmm. Bible says in Romans 10 and 14 message, boom. How can people, no, but how can people call for help if they don't know who to trust? And how can they know who to trust if they haven't heard of the one who can be trusted? And how can you hear if nobody tells them? How can they hear if nobody tells them? And how is anyone going to tell them unless someone is sent to do it? That's why scripture exclaims, a sight to take your breath away, grand grand processions of people telling all the good things of God, but not everyone is ready for this ready to see, hear, and act. Isaiah asked what we all ask at one time or another. Does anyone care? God, is anyone listening or believing a word of it? The point is, before you trust, you have to listen. But unless Christ's word is preached, there's nothing to listen to. There was nothing for me to listen to. There was nothing my stepfather at that time or God could say to me to make me believe that God had my best intentions. Then at that point, I didn't even believe in preachers, pastors, ministers, none of it. I would always wonder, yeah, you saying this at 11 o'clock a.m., but I don't know what you're doing at 11 o'clock p.m. Because I, I got one of these in my house. I know what he's doing at 11 p.m. My trust factor non-existent again a planted seed by the enemy not wanting me to seek who God really was not through a person but just me and God who are you I, I didn't I didn't develop that at that time I had no desire to develop that at that time at that age so okay that was number two. She met her third husband. Guess where she met him? Yeah, she met him at church. Okay. He ended up being an alcoholic. I was about 17 or 18 and I was done. I was done with the father figures. I was done with all of it. I was done with her. I was done with him. I was done with them. Um, he did, he did eventually get sober, but then he started being 
verbally abusive. I, it was it was a catch twenty two. Either you know we dealt with the the drunken version of him or the verbally abusive version of him. So he and I we we didn't really get along. It was a few years where we were tolerable to one another, but I mean I don't disrespect my elders. That was that was the base. That's what I had for him. Uh, I was basically grown, and well, yeah, I thought I was. <laughs> ah, and he wanted to be a father figure, but no, nah, I'm I'm good. I had two or three of y'all before, so nah, let me just figure out life. Okay, I'm good. Uh, a few years, oh no no no, a few months after they graduated, after I graduated, they helped me move out on my own, and I had my first apartment they ended up being married for 23 years before he passed away and I will I will say this though no matter how much he and I did not get along my kids loved him they never wanted for anything they spent the summers with them um he was diagnosed with cancer right when I was pregnant with my middle son and you couldn't tell them nothing about their papa. They, I, I dealt with him strictly in re, um, relation to my kids because that wasn't even playing field for, for he and I. It, it was tolerable. Um, and so he passed away and she is currently married now <laughs> to a pastor. Okay. Y'all, so y'all, y'all getting the, the, the train, the trail. Y'all getting the what was it? Y'all getting the big picture. She's married to a pastor now. He's a cool dude. Um, and I'm all the way grown, twelve hours away. And we, you know, Jesus is doing the work. It it was a lot of seeds were planted by the enemy at that time in dealing with me. Um. My interpretation of marriage, my interpretation of love, my 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 trust. The enemy tried to plant many. No, the enemy planted many seeds of confusion. So by the time I was 18, I didn't like nobody. I didn't. I was just floating. I was a numb floating being that knew of God, heard of God, experienced church. I had religion, no form of relationship with people or with God, no desire. I was just existing. And it it worked for my good because all things work for, you know, for my good or for our good. It worked for my good because I had to seek God in order to get clarity. I had to seek God in order to come out of that place. There are some triggers. There are some memories. There are some things that still take me back to that place. And I still have to fight. I still have to say, okay, God, nope, we fixed that. You fixed that. Um, that didn't hurt anymore. Keep me in that unhurt. Keep me in the safe place. Keep me hidden. 
you know, keep me healed in that place. I don't, I had a lot of anger. I had a lot of, I was bitter. You know, I was bitter with all the, the father figures that weren't, that just did not have good relations or, or good characteristics. Um, you know, daddy's little girl, your, your first experience of love is, is with your father. That's how, you know, or most women marry someone that depicts their father. Well, I don't know too much or nothing about my father. So who knows if, if my current husband or even if my ex-husband had characteristics of him, I don't know. Um, but I knew what I didn't want. That's how it worked for my good. I knew what not to do. I knew who God did not want me to be around. I knew that love shouldn't hurt like this. Love shouldn't look like this. Love doesn't talk like this. This is what I don't need in my life. So it pushed me the opposite direction of what I saw. That is my redefinition of that era. Um, and I'm an only child, so I didn't even have brothers and sisters to talk to about what was going on in the house. It was just happening. And it, all I, all I, at that time, all I had was me. That's how I felt. Again, I didn't have relationship. I had religion. All I had was me. And so God was dealing with me. I didn't know that at that time. Because I was just, I was young and trying to figure it out. And now, you know, by the end of her, her last marriage, not her current marriage, but the one prior, I was, I was on my own. I was independent. I was, I was winging it. I was, I was, (laughs) it was, I don't know. Don't really have great articulation for that, but God. That's my articulation. But God didn't let me die. He didn't let me commit suicide at that time. He didn't let me hurt any of them at that time because there were moments, you know, when you see your parents going through, you see your mom hurting, you want to hurt the person that's hurting your mom. He didn't let any of that happen. He kept me safe and protected and he kept me as sane as, as possible. So yeah, that's how that phase happened. Okay, all right. That's enough for now. I'm gonna leave you hanging. And I will be back in two weeks, March 9th. And I'll still be redefining the chaos that once was my life. Like what I just told you, that was chaos. That was in my life. Because thank God for the victory that the chaos ends now. I am no longer considering what I've been through like that stuff I just told y'all about. No longer considering that as chaos. I am choosing to redefine it. And in redefining it, it is bringing me reassurance. Reassurance and peace. Boom. And. I am still smiling. All right.